God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you this morning. Heavenly Father, bless us as we gather today. May we celebrate the righteous crown that we receive as we run the race. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I suppose some of you are going to watch the big football game today. Anybody know who's playing? The Detroit Lions and Chicago Bears, right? Well, they say it's going to be quite a game. We'll see. It might be a blowout. Who knows? But what's interesting, all the hype and all the stuff that goes in to a football game for 60 minutes on a playing field. And then the winning team gets a ring. The World Series, or the World Series, excuse me. The football prize, Super Bowl ring. I saw an article that said that the ring values around $35,000. It's gold, it's got diamonds in it, it has the team name, it takes a couple, four or five months to make it after the game is over. The team logo is put on it. And the phrase, world champions, is stamped on it, and the Super Bowl number is on the ring. Now, obviously, the person's not going to wear this around too easily for $35,000 on the finger. Put it in a safety deposit box somewhere, and what happens when they die? But it's a prize. They're going for the big Super Bowl ring. We're going for something more valuable, the crown of righteousness. That's why the bulletin cover, we got the football field on there and the goalpost. And then we have the crown that we get at the end, the crown of righteousness the Bible talks about. It's gold, it's full of jewels, it's full of wealth and very expensive because it costs God his only son. Your name's on it. It says there's your name right on the crown. And the cross is the emblem, the logo. And the phrase is on there too. Heavenly champion. Wow, that's who we are today. We're all winners if we have faith in Jesus Christ. What a blessing for us that we can celebrate today. It's interesting that the name Super Bowl has only been around since 1970. Some of you were born before that day. There was the first proposed name was the big one. Well, that didn't go over too good. Then there was the Pro Bowl, which was later transferred to another game, but not called the Pro Bowl either. And then in 1970, it was the Super Bowl coming from one of the coaches whose little boy had a ball he called the Super Bowl. And the coach said, maybe we should call it the Super Bowl. And that became the name. So here we are, another Super Bowl, playing a game today that most of us are probably going to watch and see who can win. There's two things that I'd like to talk about, just relate them to us in our Christian walk, besides the ring, is the word touchdown. What's a touchdown? 
Well, it's the act of touching a football to the ground behind an opponent's goal. That's the definition of a touchdown. An act of touching a football to the ground behind an opponent's goal. Well, they don't always do that. They carry it across and throw it up in the air or throw it in the stadium or whatever. But it's getting across the goal line. There's another touchdown word. The word is used again, excuse me in another area, and that's in aviation. When the plane comes down and hits the runway, and if you've been on an airplane, you know how you get the jerk and bounce a little bit, and we say, touchdown! The plane has arrived at the airport on the runway. Or the tower may say, touchdown. It's used for those two things, football and in air, airplanes. But it's interesting that the word touchdown is on the top 7% of words used in our society culture. But it hasn't been around that long. It appeared in print for the first time in 1856. But we have had the crown of righteousness for 2,000 years that we can put on and wear because we're winners, because we've won, not because of what we've done, because of what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. It's also interesting that today, some experts say that the people are not to shout when there's a touchdown. They're supposed to be quiet, and stomp their feet maybe, but no shouting, they say, no cheering. Can you imagine they're playing where the Buccaneers' home stadium is, and when the Buccaneers score a touchdown, I doubt that they're going to be remain silent. They will, they're going to erupt in joy and shout and yell and holler, and pat each other on the back because a touchdown has been scored. And you're going to see the word touchdown flash across your TV screen, and it's going to jump around and, and flash. Because it's a big event when there's a touchdown, when the ball is carried across the opponent's goal line. The Chiefs and the Buccaneers are going to go for touchdowns because they want that Super Bowl ring. They want that championship. Oh, and there's a lot of money involved, too. They get paid big bucks. Losers get paid a little bit, too, and they get a ring, too, but not a, not a big championship ring. But the winners, they come across with a big, expensive ring and extra pay, which they don't really need because they already got plenty of that already, but they've got it, extra bonus for playing the game and winning. Obviously, that's why in the church, we shout joy, too. We sing. We sing our hallelujahs today. Some governors tell their people are not supposed to sing in church or the pastor is supposed to chant, but how can you worship without singing, chanting, and praising God? Because we're celebrating a victory, a crown of righteousness that's been won for you and me by Jesus Christ. Now there are two important books in the game of football, and it correlates to us too. You see, if you're going to play football, you've got to know the rule book. You better know the rules, because if you can't, if you don't know the rules, you're going to make a mistake out there in the field, it's going to cost a penalty, the referee's going to blow his whistle, and you're going to be penalized, and you might lose the game because you didn't know the rules, or you misguided, or, direct, or, did, or broke a rule. And so you learn the rules, and there's a big rule book that tells you all the rules of all the possible things that can happen on the field, and what you're supposed to do and not supposed to do. And there's a playbook that the team puts out. All the different plays. You might see the 
quarterback flip up his sleeve and look at some numbers. Those numbers all represent plays, codes. And he calls them out. And the players better know what that means and where to be and how to move and be ready for the action the quarterback is going to use on that play. There's a playbook. And they study it. They learn it. They know all the codes. They better because if the, if the quarterback calls for it and you're not in the right place, you'll hear about it. And so there's a playbook and a rule book. We've got a book, too. It's all in one book. It's called the Holy Book. The Holy Bible. Bible means book. The Holy Book that we've got. It tells us how to live in this life, and it answers every question you might have, and how to live and how to, what is involved in our life, and how we receive the crown of righteousness and what it means to have that. It's all in here. But are you reading it? Do you study it? Do you know it? Some of us do. Some of us maybe not so much. How much do you look at, read the game book? Do you know the game? Do you know what it's about? How God rescued us? How God crossed the finish line and scored the touchdown for you and me? He did. But you've got to know it. You've got to read it. You've got to study it. You've got to pray You've got to be knowing what's in the book. Just as a football player has to know what's in the playbook, what's in the rule book. It's interesting, as we looked at the God, or if you heard the Charlie read the Old Testament reading this morning in Isaiah, it says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. You have to wait as you look and regain your strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. You can go up like, you know how those eagles look so beautiful on the TV screen when they're kind of soaring through the sky? Well, we can mount up like eagles, too, if we know the playbook. It says the young people shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You don't have to faint, fall down. You can make it through life because you've got the book that counts if you're in the book and read the book and study the book and practice the book. In the epistle lesson, Paul uses athletic contests to get the point across. He says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. He's telling the congregation in Corinthians, run like you're going to mean it and you're going to win the prize. Now, in this deal, we can all win. It's not just one winner. We can all win. Some may not win. But you can win. He says, every athlete exercises self-control. Aha! He knows the rule books. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we get one that's imperishable. So he says, I don't run aimlessly. I don't run around not knowing what I'm doing. He says, "I I do not do as one beating the air, but I discipline my body. He's in condition. He's in shape, Paul says, and I keep it under control lest I become disqualified. He can become disqualified from the race if he doesn't keep his body, mind, in shape. Same for you and me. If we don't keep in shape and keep in the word and know the playbook and the rule book, we too can lose the game. And so the warning is there too for us. And so Holy Scripture is our playbook. And I want to share some more thoughts from the playbook. 
and how to score the touchdown that really wins. Because we can all win today. We can all receive the crown of life. We may not receive the big Super Bowl ring, but we'll receive something more expensive and better, the crown of life. In 2 Timothy, chapter 2, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, If anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. Right there. Paul says that to Timothy, to you and to me. If you're going to compete like an athlete, you have to receive the victor's crown if you do it according to the rules. If the football players on the field today don't play according to the rules, they will not win. They'll mess up the game and they will lose. They'll be penalized or even possibly kicked out of the game. But when they play it right, they can score a touchdown, perhaps. Paul says to Timothy, if we too can have a touchdown, we too can score the points and we too can win. Listen to Psalm chapter 60, in chapter 60, where we hear some more. With God, we will gain the victory. Okay, with God, we can gain it. And he will trample down our enemies. Ah, isn't that wonderful? He'll trample down our enemies. The opposing enemies go trampled down by God himself for you and me. That sin, death, and the devil, and all the rest of the evil that's out there. You're troubled by all the evil today, and all those things that are going on, and all the uncertainty in the political world, and everything else that's out there, and the COVID. Hey, God's got it under control. He will trample down our enemies. With God, we will gain the victory. What a promise. We win. Touchdown. It's ours. We better get excited about it. It's like the player, the team, the people watching the game today are going to get excited. People watching on TV are going to probably spill their popcorn and chated chips when the touchdown comes across and spill their drink or whatever. And the player and the people in the stands will shout and yell. But we have something to yell about, something to shout about. We are winners. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We sang it in our psalms today. Our song. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from the playbook. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Ah, death has been swallowed up. Victory has been achieved. Isn't that wonderful? You got victory over the grave. He goes on. Paul says, Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory through Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus went to the cross with my sins and he paid for them and he set me free. Touchdown. In 1 John, chapter 5, John writes this. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Ah, you overcome the world. You overcome all the messes out there. You're born of God. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Our faith is the victory. And then he says, who is it that overcomes the world? Good question. So John asks, he says, who is it that overcomes the world? The answer, only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's who. 
Do you believe that? Hopefully you say yes. Do you believe it? That Jesus is the Son of God? Then you've got the victory. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what the playbook says. We believe in Jesus. We study his word. We study what he wants us to do. We live out there in the world and we score the ultimate touchdown that counts. We cross the goal line. We win. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul talks to the Philippians, writes to the Philippians, and he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Wow, I love that passage. Think of that. I press on, Paul says, toward the goal. There's the goal post out there. Towards the goal to carry the ball across the, into the opponent's territory to win the prize, not a, not a big Super Bowl ring, but the prize for which God has called me heavenward. With heaven, we won the prize of heaven in Christ Jesus. Touchdown. And then in Thessalonians, Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he says that, you, that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. Think of that. Your life. The fact that you're a winner, you give an example to the outsiders out there who aren't in the game, who aren't reading the playbook, who aren't playing by the rules. He says, you respect the outsiders so that you will not be dependent on anybody. You don't have to be dependent on anybody except Jesus Christ. And so he says, your daily life is important. How are you going to live a daily life if you don't know the game book, the game plan, the rule book? You're not under the word of God. If you're not reading it, studying it, and praying, you're missing out. It's like any football player on that field out there, if has not read the game book, not read the rule book, he will be a poor player and help the team lose. He's got to know the game book and the playbook, and we need to be into the word of God. God has given it to us in the Bible. His word. And Jesus is the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. Let me show you, share a little illustration of what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. And how important it is that we understand what it's all about and why we can win the goal. And why you and every one of you here can win. Every one of you here, every one of you here today can have the ultimate touchdown. Touchdown that wins. This little story about a little boy named Willie. You see, Willie was always late for supper. Never came on time to dinner in the evening. His parents got upset about it. They'd be sitting there filling their plates, and Willie would come late and sit in his chair and then dish out his plate. So finally one night, Willie's mother said, Willie, tomorrow night, if you don't come on time and don't come when we call you, you're going to get a glass of water and a piece of bread. That's what you're going to have for supper. The next night came, and they said, Willie, get ready for supper. Come supper, come to dinner. Well, Willie didn't show up as usual, piddling, piddling around with his toys or whatever. And so mom and dad sat down, dished their plates and all that glorious, good-looking food. And so Willie came to the table. Oh, bread and water at his place. His face had sunk. He's going to have a piece of bread and a glass of water for supper. He got what they told him. He didn't play by the book. He didn't follow the rules he was told to follow. 
So Willie sat down, glum looking. His dad and the mom had plates full of nice, delicious looking food. And poor Willie, a piece of bread and a glass of water. And just as Willie was ready to reach for the bread, his dad reached over and grabbed the plate and pulled it away from Willie, put it down on his place, and took his plate full of food and gave it to Willie. Wow. Willie got the message. His dad did it for him. His dad was willing to suffer and eat bread and drink water while he had a delicious meal. Willie learned a lesson that night. He never became late to the dinner table anymore. And that's what God has done for you and me. We deserve the bread and water. But Jesus came. And he exchanged that bread and water for a plate full of delicious food and gives us the crown of life. He gives it to us free. He reaches out and takes our sin upon himself. He became sin for us, the Bible says, that we might become saved, that we might have the righteousness of God. We got the crown. We got the touchdown. We win. What a blessing you and I can celebrate today. As you watch that football game today and hear the announcers say, touchdown, or the referees put their hands up and the players put their hands up and they celebrate. Remember, you're celebrating the most important touchdown, the touchdown that God came and his son, Jesus Christ, and touched down on this earth. God did the ultimate touchdown. Jesus was born on this planet, on this earth, for you and me. He touched down. He came out of the heavens and came down to be one of us, take our place, and give us a plateful of righteousness, a crown of righteousness. The best thing we could ever have and celebrate. God touched down for us. He carried the ball across the goal line for us. We win. The touchdown is ours. Is that exciting? Amen, right? God bless you.